Hello and welcome to Converse Christianity, where we explore what it means to live out a countercultural faith in the secular age. My name is Jeremy Moses. I'm Andrew Haslam. And we're both pastors of a church called Grace London in central London. And today we want to talk about entertainment. Now you might think, why are we talking about entertainment? What have we got to say on that subject? Well, in a sense, that's precisely why we need to look at this question, because often our entertainment habits, our entertainment consumption feels detached from our Christian life. And maybe it feels like we don't have really anything to say on the subject of entertainment, uh, except for maybe don't watch that or that's inappropriate. I want to say, what does it mean to think Christianly about our entertainment habits and, and the, even the why of entertainment? So, but before we get to the interesting stuff, Andrew, let's start with your entertainment preferences. What, what's your favorite film? What's your, what, what kind of things do you like to watch? I think my favorite film of all time is Gladiator. Yep. Maximus Decimus Meridius. W- would you say you kind of try to imagine yourself in those in that scene where husband he's... to a, a murdered wife, father yeah. to a murdered son, and yep. he will have his vengeance in this life or the next. Okay, so strong male protagonists are kind of your your thing. Yeah, and he, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of uh, violence in the name of. Justice. Righteous, yes, right. yes, righteous violence. That's often how I think of. That's like you like Braveheart. Any any kind of fighting for Freedom. a cause. <laughs> exactly. You like Churchill, Darkest Hour, didn't you? You like that one, yeah. Dunkirk. Did you I like that? War films generally. Yeah, yeah 1917. Have you boat. seen that? I have. Yeah. Yeah. All those. Extraordinary. Basically, anywhere there's fighting and it's for a good cause. Yes. That pretty much. Yeah, I don't like you. senseless violence, but no. I do. I think. Yeah. Right. Righteous wrath. Which actually is ironic because I have the very opposite preference. <laughs> I like, I don't, I don't really watch these anymore because Jen... Romantic comedies. Yeah. <laughs> no, she actually likes romantic comedies more than me. No, like... Um, when Harry Met Sally. Yeah, I haven't watched that. Go on, just keep saying I'm romantic comedies think, and I'll think prove, of names of romantic comedies. Prove that I don't like romantic comedies. With that Along line, Came Polly. Nope, never seen that. Okay. Um, this is heartening, actually. I was going to tell... <laughs> I'm going up in your estimation by the fact that I haven't watched romantic comedies. That just says everything about the fact that you don't have a soul, that you have no love to give, that you just don't like any of these romantic comedies. <laughs> <laughs> what I was trying to say was you like righteous violence, I like unrighteous violence in the sense of I like gangster movies and detective like whodunits crime anything crime related is right. kind of my thing right. um and i'm a big fan of line of duty which is on bbc at the moment which is all about bent coppers like basically are they going to find the corrupt c- policeman basically sure so yeah i i did i think i saw like half an episode of that but um it, the idea of british people running around you know <laughs> pretending to be jack bauer just doesn't i can't associate heroism with the British accent, which is British kind of ironic, police, because you know the... the most dangerous thing a British policeman carries is pepper spray. <laughs> so for me, it just didn't. I only watched a bit, and I was like, "No, I can't really buy into this. It feels a little bit too dramatic for our context." Would you say that it's that your British heroes are all from yesteryear? That 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 then that you don't really think that today, like you you kind of hark after the kind of brave hearts and the Churchills, but now you're just like, oh, well, just then when they actually carried around weapons, yeah. you know. Yeah. So when they when they were real men. When so they to speak. Were, yeah, exactly. Great. I mean, that there is there is a part of me that wishes we still carried swords around. Okay, great. On that sunny note, um, why are we talking about this today? What's important about uh, entertainment? Uh, well, we're all we all consume entertainment, right? So we, especially during lockdown, it seems to be that a lot of people are glued to their screens, and you know, we, we've also felt the pull: long evenings, not being able to hang out with friends extra time in front of the screen and so that's pr- the primary way through which we consume so it seems to me absolutely vital that we think about think about this from a christian point of view i mean massively important because it's probably much more influential than many of us even 
even realize. Okay, okay. Um, and I guess the first question I want to then know is, why is this so popular? Like, what essentially, can we kind of explain the prominence and popularity of entertainment from a Christian worldview? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, I think basically you can look at it through understanding that our human nature created by God is it, we naturally gravitate to stories mm. and it's a profound thing when you contemplate that the Bible the way the way God has decided to communicate who he is and his nature and his the, and what is happening in history he's he's told it through a story I mean the, the Bible is predominantly story mm. and it's a story in which you then you find yourself in in the narrative as well and you understand your place in the narrative once you understand the story of scripture so if we say we we were we find our place in God's big story yeah and that scripture is fundamentally a story and we're saying on the other hand entertainment we're often entering into a story we're yeah. understanding a story that the that you know whoever the storyteller is the film writer or the director etc i guess my kind of in a sense are we saying that there are two rival stories there i yeah well it, sometimes i think it's a little bit more complex than that obviously i think um the, the bible is presenting itself to us as the great story mm. through which you need to understand the world but we understand aspects of life through smaller stories mm. and stories that we tell each other myths that are handed down through generations or novels mm. that you know you recommend to a friend or you know there's those there's, there's 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 countless possibilities but basically stories give us the the a way a grid through which we understand life yeah we are we're not just story consumers we are we tell communal stories. Stories yeah. shape our reality. They shape our worldview. They shape our culture. Yeah. Just think about I was, you know, think about Brexit. You think why are British people so kind of less positive about the EU than other people? And you think is it because we've been growing up on things like Dad's Army, which is a kind of story of the Home Guard who, you know, fought to defend England and or sorry, they weren't they weren't actually required, but they were ready to fight the Nazis if they came and attacked us. And so we kind of grew up with this mindset of kind of Britain against Europe through the dramas that we watched. Yeah, precisely. So they, they, they shape our identity, our sense of who we are, our moral grid, our imagination, our sense of what's tasteful, what's disgusting. Uh, you know, all these things are put into us through stories right from the start when you're when you're a little toddler and your parents start reading to you. I mean, mm. these days it's all Julia Donaldson, you know, the Gruffalo and things like that. But whatever stories you start on, they're beginning to introduce you to the world of how, how to understand life and we're shaping their world as we tell them every yeah story. yeah that's and that really just interesting. that just continues on into adulthood and all of our entertainment now this is what has to your grasp here is basically every every form of entertainment that we're consuming basically is a story mm. so whether it's whether it's the dramas and the box sets and the films that's obvious but it's also the documentaries they all have a story to tell about the world david attenborough is always putting across his story his mm. his his narrative of what's going to happen to the planet earth or even even the the sports that we watch on tv they're essentially their their stories being played out in real time mm. um contests taking place on the fields of battle be they just football pitches and rugby pitches um but they are basically stories and you find yourself on one side of that story and what's and, exciting about that story is you don't know how the story's going to end yeah, that's why that's why sports fun to watch because like a drama unfolding before your eyes. Exactly, that's really so interesting. I think when you understand that this is how we're wired, basically, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like this is who we are in our nature, the core, of, and this is why it resonates with us. This is why we love stories, and you know, it, it just happens to be the case that now our moment in history, most of that is going to be through the screens in your living room. Interesting. I guess you're dignifying stories there, aren't you? 
Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they have a, an extraordinarily powerful effect upon us. So in a sense, what we're saying is entertainment is a not a necessarily a bad thing because that's what we do as human beings. We tell each other yeah. stories, but neither is it inherently a good thing in the sense that it can, it depends on the narrative of the person telling. Yeah. But it's very often a powerful thing. Yeah. I would want to say that for sure. And obviously and, entertainment has all sorts of other good beat things. Like we relax together as we listen to stories. Yes. We enjoy, uh, you know, bond, you can be a bonding opportunity with friends and family or just quite frankly, it's kind of a good thing in the sense that it reflects our anthropology that we're made for in, to enjoy stories. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, I know, you know, with the kids all around watching things together is a real bonding experience and yeah. you have fun and, you know, well, think, absolutely. There's more, it's, it, it can be taken at a very simple level. We can say that. So I suppose um, we've probably now got to start thinking about some of the ways we do this. How do we engage with entertainment? How do we engage with uh, the stories that we we can consume for hours on end if we want yeah, to? Yeah. What cautions would you have around the stories that we consume? I think the first thing you've got to you've got to be conscious of is that every story has an agenda, and I think it's very important that Christians kind of begin to switch on to that reality. Um, we don't norm all, all the time. We don't always talk about worldview, but worldview is essentially what I'm speaking of here. The fact that the Bible wants to shape your imagination, your tastes, the things you love, the things you hate, and your grid through which you see the world. And the more it does that, the more successfully your mind is shaped by scripture, mm. then that means you have a, a God given worldview. Mm. But of course, every story that's being told to you and particularly through, through the dramas that are coming mainly from the U S and mainly from studios in the west coast of the US, mm. they're presenting a view of the world that is dominates in you know in a particular section of society and among particular cultural elites. You know they 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 have a worldview and they're trying to impose it on the rest of the world to to a certain degree. I think that's really fascinating because I often think of when you're watching a drama. It's like you invite someone into your house and say, tell me a story. Yeah. And so then you think about the fact that someone might spend hours on end watching one TV show or watching series after series. And you think, effectively, you said to the writer of that program, come into my house and tell me a story. And you start to live in that reality. And as you live in that reality, that's going to change your affections. You know, we Absolutely. Are, I suppose in a sense, we might say we're not quite as intelligent as we think we are in the sense of like, actually, just by watching something for hours, like if you only watch senseless violence, I think it's not going to necessarily make you go outside and like assault someone. But you're going to start to live in that world. And yeah. whether it means that you actually think I need to enforce what I want through, and I can get it through power, whatever it is, I think that those shows will 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 shape our both our affections, our desires, and what we think is kind of morally right and wrong in subtle ways. I, I think that is almost, I mean, without question, the, the speed at which we've seen the world change in the last century or so has largely been because I think it's largely been because of Hollywood mm. and, you know, I don't want to make it as narrow as that, but the, largely because of the power of stories being beamed into people's living rooms yeah, and the way that that now shapes our imagination, our way of thinking, our moral grid, everything is, is formed by story. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the really interesting one there I've heard before, which is that people say, um, what what changed the the right for LG, the the fight for LGBT equality in the US or and, and therefore probably around the world and people say Will and Grace the the show which just showed the life of I think it was at least two uh, gay men and uh, like it showed their kind of a plausible 
a plausibility to their life that people said, oh, well, this is not as evil as I thought it was. And therefore, yeah. you know, we, they should have rights, everything else like that. It's, it's really fascinating how TV can have that effect. It's so interesting. And I think it, by sort of moving the dial on what people think is acceptable or tasteful or good, um, you actually change people and you do it without them realizing. That's kind of what's really important here is that, and this is what is important for the Christian to grasp is that you're being shaped by the things you watch and the things you consume, probably to a degree you're not even aware of. Mm. It's, it's, it's changing the way you look at the world. And that, that for me is probably the bottom line of what we need to explore and understand and be aware of when we're talking about the impact of entertainment upon our lives. I mean, there are other things you can talk about. You can talk about, you know, the exposure to temptation. You can talk about, um, the, the time, the amount of time you give to it, all that kind of stuff. But I think the, the, the first thing you've got to establish is the worldview, the I, agendas, the, the uh, meaning. I think that m makes me ask a question. Then do we only watch TV or films or whatever that where we agree with the agenda of the person who's writing it? Or what does this mean for us? I think it, for me, for me at least, okay, so I was raised in a family where my dad, um, he was a pastor and he, he'd consumed authors like Francis Schaeffer and John Stott and these guys would they would talk about you know they would talk about the the worldview in entertainment and in media and in songs and in films and all that kind of stuff and help Christians to see the world that way and so my dad very very deliberately would try and make that part of our family life so mm. that if we were watching stuff um he would he would try and sh shine a light on what's going on yeah and I think for me, look, the dangerous thing here, if we just put, put my finger on it, is that entertainment is a kind of Trojan horse. Now on the one, it looks like one thing on the surface. It looks like great production, beautiful actors and actresses, witty storylines. Um, it looks like all of those things on the surface. But underneath that is a, a world of agenda and, and, and philosophy and morality and and they may not even necessarily be setting out to assert that worldview on the world, but it's just that they have a worldview and that's going to be reflected in their yeah, art. Although it's I, like when you're painting a picture, you are going to depict the world as you understand it. I think you're being more charitable than you ought to be. I, I think most people in that world of production and story writing and telling are more deliberate about wanting to get across their view. I, I think that's than, true when you read it. I mean, I think that's almost... I've, I've been on my theology course um looking at kind of understanding narrative and i think one of the things that that my tutors have always wanted us to see when we're reading hebrew narrative is that the writer always wants you to make a moral judgment yeah it's almost never neutral in it's the sense neutral. that they want you to say that person's in the wrong that person's in the right and therefore there's a kind of takeaway from that yeah. and i suppose what you're saying is most of the time when you're watching tv that will almost certainly be the case it is always the case now so so if you if you conceive of entertainment as being like this trojan horse in your li little story by the way when my um when my mum was a girl a little little girl my grandparents ordered their first television and it came you know it came delivered to the house in a box and on the box it said something like let the world into your home interesting now they they had only been recently converted and you know as often happens when christians first become you know when you first become a christian you can be quite overzealous in some regards and obviously there was massive warning lights the world in our home yeah. you know we're christian aren't we and so they 
my grandmother immediately sent it back. Really? Yeah. But it kind of it kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. She saw it straight away this box that looks so innocent on the outside and looks like this this Pandora it's actually a Pandora's box of yeah. you know, who knows what you're letting into your mind and your imagination and your home. So there is an awareness of this. That would be the first thing I'd want for Christians is to understand that. I think you've kicked the nail on the head there. It's engaging with this thoughtfully and identifying where the agendas are that doesn't mean you only watch things by people who are christian or but but actually i think you can also take it the other way of course and say all truth is god's truth so we're going to watch all sorts of tv shows written by people who have radically different agendas but because they are depicting the reality of human nature because they're depicting the reality of the world that we understand yeah they are saying true things about the world and about god's creation even if they don't even realize it without a doubt so, An example of this for me is um, the Breaking Bad series. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary drama. It's not for everyone because it's super gritty and at times just painful to watch. But what it does show is the spiral of sin. Mm. You dip your toe in and you go ankle deep, knee deep. And before you know it, you're swept with the flood of because sin. Because the guy is a drug... He's a science drug. teacher who yeah. ends up, you know, making crystal meth in his house, in his garage. So lots to, of you could To make a bit of extra to. money because he's dying of cancer and but then it it takes you on a journey okay into how he sinks deeper into that world and does things he you never think he could mm. ever have done and what the reason why i mention it is because i don't think it's written by christians i don't think it has a christian agenda i think i don't know what the agenda is except that it portrays sin and sin the sin nature within us more accurately and more compellingly than anything i've ever seen on tv it's i mean really so it's telling us true things yep but it, it's not, you know, not from a Christian worldview, but it's this truth. It's God's truth. Uh, yeah, I think it's exactly that kind of thoughtful engagement that will reap dividends, both for just being aware that of, of what of how something might shape your mind, but also actually to be able to communicate with our friends and uh, be able to engage with the narrative. It, back, to, back to the idea of we are communal storytellers. Yes. So yeah. as we engage in these stories, those I think actually gives us opportunities to speak truth into people's lives. So I, I remember watching, um, you know, this uh, Line of Duty, uh, the, the last series that was on TV, uh, the guy who leads Line of Duty, spoiler alert, but I think it's about the last series and so most people have watched it. I haven't watched it. Yeah, but you're not going to watch it. You already said you don't no, believe probably, that I, I, British I, people are, can be violent or so true. dangerous. It's true, but I've heard so many people saying good things about it that I almost feel like I, I feel I feel a strong sense of FOMO right now. Like I've got to catch up and find out what all the fuss is about. Oh, I can't use my analogy then. So in which case I have nothing further to add. Let's move on. Well, okay. So if we're moving on, just back on, I just wanted to back up a little bit. You were saying that they can, they can tell us true things. Like dramas, even if they're not written by a Christian, can tell us true things about the world because the world is infused with the truth of who God is. We and say I, all truth is God's truth. Yeah, all truth is God's truth. I think that's absolutely right. So that is one of the reasons why you know, saying at the start, like stories of righteous, um, righteousness and righteous violence. <laughs> You're about to say Braveheart is, a, is, a, is an analogy for... Well, in some ways it is. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly true. Um, it's certainly true that when you see valor and so on, and we see courage and self-sacrifice and these things on display, the reason why they resonate is because mm. that's true of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, the evokes, character of God. It evokes something in us we, we long for in the sense that it's a desirable th quality Yes. that we long to have ourselves we want it mm. but this is why i think so if but if you're switched on to what's happening that there's always an agenda you also have to see the dark side of this right and for me this is probably why i i think christians need to wise up you know one example of this we, we watched during lockdown was the 
however much is released i think there's two or three seasons of the handmaid's tale and it's a it's a very beautifully told story it's a kind of religion religious dystopia in the future in which kind of the united states is being governed by these kind of fundamentalist christians basically and um, they do all kinds of weird things now the reason why i mention that show is is because because the, the story is so negative mm. about religion what it does is it, it touches you at a visceral level it mm. touches you in your gut mm. and it makes you begin to despise um what you're seeing about what is supposed to be christianity mm. and so i think when people watch things unthinkingly they're influenced in a way that they don't even fully appreciate in the moment mm. it's like your your mind and your imagination are being rewired mm. passively and unconsciously now I, I can take that show apart and you can see that what's really being put across to you there is not christianity but a but a grotesque straw man of christianity and mm. the things that they despise about the so-called christianity in that show are the things are things i also despise mm. but when you when you don't engage your mind and you just sit there and watch it you can begin to hate mm. you can begin to hate christianity it's weird it, it can it can touch you on that level it's the power of a good story the power of a good story and you think everything you're watching on tv is doing that to you at some level mm. probably most of it um it, it's it's moving the dial on what you like and dislike and what you think about the world so I think we've we've kind of raised the significance of entertainment. We're saying this is something we've all done throughout history. We all tell each other stories. Be aware of the the kind of agenda and worldview within that story, yeah. and just be sensible and thoughtful about how you engage with it. I just wonder if that sense, that thoughtfulness about how you engage with entertainment, will shape the kind of the way you can consume entertainment, the the volume of ent of how much you watch, that kind of thing. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I you know the word. Um, amuse or amusement it's you know at root its etymology is ah which means stop and muse which means think so to stop thinking mm -hmm. and i think that's partly why we do it it's, there's not much effort is there involved in watching television or it's listening. definitely the path of least resistance like just sit down and watch something there's no there's no not really any effort involved except literally pressing the the, the on button exactly and this is what the appeal is i mean and that's not all bad because you need to unstring the bow from time to time and relax is this you carrying around a bow and arrow? Is this, once again, you longing that we all had swords and this time we've also got a bow and arrow? Most of my illustrations are going to be weapon-based from here on. Okay. So, <laughs> so you, you have to um, unstring the bow. You need to, yeah. It, look, this is this is part of what makes your your life, like, the rhythms of life are important. We talked about that in the... The rest. The, the Sabbath, yeah, rest um, episode. So I, but but this is the thing. If you if you stop thinking, you amuse. Mm that's the point at which you're also vulnerable and mm. that's also then means that you can whittle away you know countless hours of your life it's quite terrifying actually when you start to tally up how much of your life you can in the same way that when you um open the screen time app on yeah. your phone that can yeah. be a really distressing experience you think oh my gosh i can't believe i spent this much time on my phone in the same way if there was such an app for netflix i don't I imagine they don't tell you how much you watch of their of their on their platform because if they did people would probably it would terrify get you. exactly it would terrify you and i think we talked about agendas for tv shows and for writers but also you've got to remember that the people who own these platforms have agendas and their agenda is to get you to watch as much of their content as possible yes. like reed hastings has said one of their competitors uh, he's the guy behind netflix uh, one of their main competitors is sleep like he wants wow, to reduce yeah. the amount of sleep you have so that you can see more of his content. You think what it says is basically at some level, we have to recognize that we live in a kind of 
a world that is out of sync with our inherent what's what's inherently good for us mm -hmm. and so and one of the ways that it's kind of slightly out of sync in the sense that probably we're generally in a context where people are over consuming without doubt. entertainment and that's 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 become more acute this past year i was just a few weeks ago i was in a queue um, and there was two girls behind me chatting away and you know they were obviously just catching up then seeing each other for a while and one of them was just laughing and selling her house she'd seen everything on netflix how she spent a whole day just binging a series at a time and you know i know she i, I just felt sorry for her because i thought we all have watched probably more netflix than we wanted to this year but the idea that you know it, it just spoke to me of loneliness and it spoke to me of of a kind of passivity and this kind of you know this 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 an unbalanced life basically yeah i wonder whether actually it's quite interesting how um our friend jenny who we've mentioned on this podcast before um wrote a, a salt article years ago about the something like the danger of reading alone and mm. basically there was a point when basically books became mainstream when people right. got concerned about people the habit of just reading books on your own which sounds ridiculous to us because that's what obviously we all read alone now but at the time, that was a big cultural shift. And I wonder whether there's something about communal versus individual storytelling here. That mm. Actually, it's really good and right that we sit and enjoy stories. But actually, just the idea of like sitting and watching uh, 10 hours of TV on your own doesn't bring me flourishing. Mm. Whereas actually, mm. like stories are meant to be enjoyed together. And there's a sense of communalness. And obviously, yeah. during lockdown, that's been in in impossible. Yeah. But there's something about that maybe that... There is. And I think you've got to understand that when you choose something, you're also excluding other options from your life. And so this idea that we, these kind of, you know, the expression is couch potato, the idea that you kind of, you, you sink into the sofa and just three, four hours of your day are just gone, mm. you know, with the, and especially with the, you said that Reed Hastings, his greatest competitor is sleep. Well, yeah. it's obvious when you look at how Netflix functions, you know, the idea that it automatically leads you into the next episode, every yeah. episode ends on a, a cliffhanger, you know, it's, it's constantly trying to keep you engaged. And what that then does is it makes you a passive recipient of the creativity of others instead of expressing the creativity that God has put inside you. Yeah, that's interesting. So you almost think, what are we losing as yeah. a society, not just as an individual, but as a society by kind of everyone, you know, I always think, imagine if you didn't know um, what was going on on the screen and you just kind of looked into people's homes and you saw everyone just staring at what appears like a kind of light box if right. that makes sense. And you just think, what is, what, like, how, how has someone come and kind of captured our society with this light box in every, in every yeah, house, which yeah. is just kind of enthralled people as in a kind of state of uh, complete passivity. Yeah. If an alien came down to planet earth and, and looked at us like goggle box, like watched us watching TV, what would they think of us? They'd, They'd be like, what's going on here? Yeah. Is this some sort of mind control that someone, yeah, well, um, now I, I don't think it's as sinister as that, but there's something about the lost, um, creativity, I think that's really interesting. Almost lost potential. Lo yeah, lost potential, exactly. Yeah. Lost relationships, you know. I, yeah. don't, I don't view it negatively. I think, you know, these things have a place in our lives and this is the world in which we live. I don't, and I'm not really anti-TV or anti any of this stuff. I enjoy it myself. But I do yeah, think that there has to be a measure of balance and self-control. And look, for me, this is, this is, <laughs> this is particularly important when you consider that a Christian has a mission mm. and we're not here to passively drift through life um that there are things that we're meant to actively pursue i think it's, it's like if we if we really kind of get down to it many people in the in our context believe that life fundamentally doesn't have purpose right there's no inherent meaning to life that yeah. you're fundamentally yeah. about fundamentally about maximizing your own happiness you have a good job you have a family or whatever um and so in one sense 
Well, if it makes you happy, do it. Whereas we as Christians would say, yeah, it's right that you worship God in everything you do in your career and you worship God as you work and you work and you enjoy the gifts he's given you, including entertainment as one of those gifts from his hand. But we have a purpose. Mm. We have a um, uh, purposes, roles, responsibilities in this life and that, uh, you know, whether it be responsibilities to our, our family, including mm. our church mm. family, to creating community, to um, serving and loving our neighbors, to making disciples. You know, th- mm. that there are a whole world of purposes that God has called us to that actually we would find great fulfillment in, but it would be so easy to lose sight of those purposes and just kind of end up being, uh, as one writer puts it, amusing ourselves to death, like yeah. basically just pacifying ourselves. Yeah, great book, Neil Postman's book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, which was written before the internet era, but after TV had sort of filled everyone's homes. Yeah. And it's a very compelling case, a polemic really against television because you just felt that people were just wasting their lives. Yeah. And forgetting how to use their minds which brings me on to what I think that w- w- I was thinking about this beforehand. I was just thinking about that passage There's a passage in Proverbs too. So the early chapters of Proverbs are all, um, it's kind of a father talking to a son and he's saying, he's saying above all things, pursue wisdom. Um, and it's kind of Solomon talking to one of his sons. That's kind of the, the kind of shape of the, of the, um, of the, those early chapters. And in chapter two, he says things like this. He says, if you call out for insight, Raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for us for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Mm. And the picture there of the Christian is somebody who um, isn't drifting through life and passively being swept along with the currents and the worldview around them and so on, as as would happen if you just sit down like a blob in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. But there's someone who is actively in pursuit of god's wisdom yeah and it's like this is the most precious thing in the world and it just you have to just acknowledge that requires deliberate effort Mm. it requires time and attention and this is why i think you know we we have purposes that we're meant to be pursuing and unfortunately entertainment is often is often squeezing those things out yeah you know the reading and the talking and the thinking that ought yeah. to fill our lives and the creating. Yeah. And yeah. That's I, really interesting. I don't think you can't get wiser through entertainment. I think you can. Yeah. But I just think um, it very often tips into something like a, a binging addiction, doesn't it? In which, we, you know, we, we put our minds on into into coast coasting mode, don't we? Well, it sounds like if we kind of pull this all together, we're kind of saying there are two wrong ways to approach this. Right. One is a kind of, Hollywood is evil, avoid all entertainment um, and just kind of live in a kind of, I guess, in a Christian bubble without any kind of engagement with mainstream entertainment. Or the other extreme is a kind of just consume unfettered, you know, just kind of take hours and hours without it wash over you. Yeah, exactly. And form you and exactly without even thinking about it. And we're saying, no, there's a kind of right way to do this where you engage thoughtfully in this, you give it a place, but you don't allow it to kind of dominate your life and your your rest time, so to speak. Um, and you actually do it even can be done as an act of worship. I I, I guess just on that, how would you imagine if I'm sitting down and I'm about to watch TV or whatever, how can I do that in a posture that glorifies God? I think the Bible says that everything uh, can be received with thanksgiving as good and, and as from God. And I think that that's true of so many things in life, you know, things that traditionally Christians have been against, they shouldn't have been against because they're actually part of God's good gifts to us. Yeah. And I think about entertainment is one of those things, dramas, dancing, 
you know, these are things that Christians have at times been anti, and they shouldn't have been anti. Certain Not types least. of food, alcohol, drink, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought you were about to talk about feasting again, which is your favourite subject. We'll get there one day. Um, but yeah, that's true. We just, as you enjoy a great drama, you can actually give thanks for the gift of uh, the creativity and the and the writers and the directors and the actors and everything. Like almost the, to recognise the kind of the gifts in those people that yes. actually ultimately points to the glory of God. I think they do. Even the sporting, great sporting contests, as you watch the kind of great gifts and talents on, on display yeah. in that contest, yeah. there's a sense to which you can enjoy that and say, thank you, God, that you have made human beings with such incredible talents and gifts and creative potential. That's exactly right. So the ability to say thank you is a crucial element in, well, in, in, all, in every dimension of life um, that you can engage with something worshipfully is when you're saying thank you for it. Mm. And I think that's true when you sit down to enjoy yourself with, with entertainment. Which also, I think, then brings us on to a caution in the sense that you have to be able to say thank you. Right. So there are probably types of content and things you could watch where actually in reality you can't legitimately say thank you to God in the yeah. sense of there's a kind of, I, I guess, perhaps an excessive darkness to it or uh, perhaps an inappropriate immorality there. I don't know if you want to speak about that. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, look, when your conscience is flagging something up and you, you're you're really trying to quieten the voice of your conscience, then you know you're, you're in dodgy territory. And for, I think for most of us, that's going to be um, when, when these things are, are portraying, when it's sexualized. I think that's probably the most dangerous, sticky aspect of entertainment these days that kind of lures you in. Yeah. And I, I feel like, again, as we talk about this, the hypocrisy meter feels like it's going um, blaring out in, my, in the back of my mind. But there's a sense to which it kind of normalizes yeah. sexual inappropriateness in a way yeah. that, that you would put it this way. If you were in the room, yeah. you would never be doing, you'd never be like watching or engaging in that That's act, right. so to speak. Right. Um, but when you're watching it on TV, because it's on a screen, it kind of feels detached from you and therefore you kind of justify it to yourself. In a, yeah, totally. And, and when you think about the sexual revolution and the degree to which um, our, our views and attitudes towards sex have changed, there, there's no doubt, no doubt in my mind that it was the, firstly, the kind of development, the novel, the rise of the novel, and then, then of television mm. and of film and the way that stories then began to normalize in our imagination ways of behaving that our ancestors would have thought were despicable, mm. basically. So, yeah, I, I think, I think we know in our hearts when, something isn't sitting easy with us and we should stop watching i mean and there are other things sometimes i think there's also another element to this actually just remembering this that um some stories don't have a redemptive element to them mm -hmm. you know you can tell this i i uh i i when you when you watch or read lord of the rings right mm. That is clearly shaped by a Christian mind and imagination. Mm. J.R. Tolkien was a Catholic and deeply devout. Mm. And so although it has um, violence and goblins and orcs and evil and malevolence and all those kinds of things, it fundamentally has a redemptive arc to yeah. the storyline, which means that it is uplifting and educating in the best sense as compared to say for example texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> well i haven't i'm not sure it's that one. i remember watching in my dim and distant past watching one of those kind of movies that's just yeah. basically like where someone murders a whole yeah. series of I, of travelers and you think i don't at yeah. the end of that you just end up feeling kind of a bit dirty and a little bit depressed i and think there's, so there's I, nothing there that almost lifts the soul there's very very rarely will you find a, a redemptive element in horror 
horror films at yeah, all. I think. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, in, 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 in some ways, they are the epitome of um, of a kind of satanic. I, I don't. Yeah, you don't want to be mis- like literally that. You yeah, say, yeah. But but you think, what does the devil come to do? To steal, kill, and destroy? The Bible mm. says. So entertainment that's purely based on stealing, killing, and destroying mm. is probably something quite dark. And what I was actually going to compare it to, so, you know, um, the Game of Thrones series, I I haven't watched the dramas because, Mm. you know, certain people cautioned me. I said, look, there's a lot of nudity. And I thought, well, it probably wouldn't do me any good because, you know, but I I read the books and they are in, in one sense, utterly compelling and extraordinary. But in the other sense, it's almost the, um, the antithesis of the Lord of the Rings because the, you know, the George, um, our Martin has also created a world, just as Tolkien created a world. But Martin's view is is dark, and his story is not redemptive in the same way. It doesn't it doesn't have the uplifting and heroic and and valiant elements that that Tolkien put into his stories, and therefore it doesn't it doesn't do the same things to your heart. And I find that's that's really interesting. That's fascinating. Way. I've not thought about that before because. And when I've watched my detective dramas, which which can be quite dark, there is often a sense of still a caution. You know, just yeah. in a kind of a great immorality tale, you can be cautioned against something, just as you can, in another great heroism story, you can be provoked towards something. Yeah. But I still think it's really interesting what you're saying. Yeah, I look, I, I just, I suppose what I'm just saying is that it's, 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 it's often more nuanced than just, oh, is there sex on TV? Yeah. There's often, there's often something a little bit more like what it's doing to your soul at um at a level that it sits uncomfortably with you i found this when we started to watch house of cards we watched a couple of episodes but there's such a darkness and a twistedness to the way um underwood the, the main character acts and his wife with him we just had to stop it after a while i it was actually like, yeah i watched the first series and then there were moments when i thought oh, this is far too dark i shouldn't be watching this and then i and then i watched the beginning of the second series and then there's something really dark happens i just think I can't watch this anymore. Like, it's not redemptive. That's yeah. the point. And that's why you, that's why it's not sitting comfortably with your soul. Because yeah. as a Christian, you're like, I'm drawn to what is pure and lovely and good. You know, yeah. earlier you mentioned to me that passage in Philippians where mm. Paul says, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, dwell on these things. Mm. And I think that's where something which is so infused with darkness mm. actually leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And that's yeah. why you, you kind of hit the sack after a, a, an episode of watching that and you don't feel good. Yeah, that's what I think what would be interesting to, I might want to say about all of that is it's not that that is absolutely inherently wrong. It's just what narrative do you want swimming around in your head as you go to sleep tonight? Yeah, yeah. Where, what, where, you know, entertainment is about immersing yourself in a story and it's like what story is the story you want to be saturated in? And I think that might add, actually raise the bar quite a lot higher think, in terms of what we so, engage yeah. with yeah well i think we may have left you with more questions than answers there uh, but what i hope we've convinced you is that we the very least we need to engage with this thoughtfully and ultimately with the posture of how can i enjoy this gift in a godly way that glorifies god okay that's all we've got time for we look forward to you joining us next time as we consider how do we live out a countercultural faith in the secular age <laughs>